1: These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are The Other Stories. (laughs) Today's episode of The Other Stories is where credit is due. Written by Dexter McLeod and narrated by Justin Fife. Reynard Osmond
0: jogged up the eastern slope of the Allegheny Mountains, only his hitching breath and the cadence of his running shoes interrupted the music of the early springtime birdsong. The deciduous trees at this altitude were waking, adding fresh hints of color to replace the dark smudges of browns amongst the evergreens. But this late in the afternoon, the sun was hidden by the spine of the mountain chain, bathing the trees on this slope with an eerie mix of day and night. He waved at Pryor and Maggie Chancel, his only neighbors for miles, as he passed their cabin. He grinned despite his burning lungs. They were prepping flower beds, and Raynard imagined slitting their throats with Maggie's muddy spade. They waved back at him, never realizing how regularly he planned their deaths. Hypothetical homicide was just one of the hazards of being a horror author. As the stitch in his side grew unbearable, Raynard finished the last half mile and arrived at his own cabin near the top of the slope. He bent over, hands to knees, forcing himself to breathe as slowly as he dared. I need to lay off the gin, he said, lying to himself. The purr of a car came up the road, and he could see his own breath in its headlights. He shielded his eyes. His agent, Hayne Keating, toiled behind the wheel of the rental, his tangle of salt-and-pepper hair curling out from beneath his familiar plaid scally cap. He smiled, but his eyes looked worried. Reynard had been dreading this conversation. As Raynard led Hain inside, the home security system chimed, Welcome home, Reynard said a disembodied voice. The fireplace came to life. Lights popped on and soft music coursed through the log cabin. Thank you, Cassis. A smart home. A smart cabin. Uh, gin? Payne nodded. You didn't have to come all this way. Reynard busied himself with ice and limes. I wouldn't have had to if you'd answer your emails or video calls, or your cell phone. Cassis, add limes to my grocery list. I've added a dozen, Reynard. Just can't use a cell phone here. It's the dead zone. Pardon? The National Radio Quiet Zone. We're just a few miles from Sugar Grove Station. Which is. Reynard handed Hain a tumbler and NSA listening station, spy stuff. Uh, Certain things are banned in this part of West Virginia. Get a little deeper in the zone. You can't even use a microwave. Of all places, it's a feature, not a bug. People move here for it. And you? Isolation helps my writing. I'm not a Luddite. I might enjoy the rustic look, but I still enjoy a few creature comforts. Reynard, the serial killer documentary you bookmarked has become available on your streaming subscription. See? Haynes shrugged, setting down his untouched drink. Let me come to the point. Here we go. Preston doesn't like the new book. Ah, revise and resubmit? We're past that. Editors never lack the 10th draft. Sales are sagging, Renard. There's talk. Talk? This is the last book on your contract. I'm concerned there won't be another one. Horror goes through these cycles. Preston asked me, point blank, if you've lost your touch. Your last one had more negative press than any before. Reader reviews have been brutal this year. With the cost of paper up, discounts at the box stores, your print runs, the money is getting tight. Now, hold on. Math is a harsh mistress. Reynard scowled, downing his gin. New York needs something spectacular. Something wholly original. Something with soul... I can stall a bit, give you a couple of weeks, but Preston wants to see something fresh by the end of March. Haynes stood, donning a scally hat. You don't have to rush. Plenty of room here. No worries, I've rented a fishing cabin up near Franklin. It's not my normal spot in the Catskills, but I figured if I was going to have to come all the way out here, I might as well enjoy it. Renard walked Hayne to the door. Hayne patted Renard's shoulder. Two weeks. Three days had come and gone, and Renard had deleted almost as many words as he had written. His daily jogs had done little to clear his head. Despite all the ways he pretended to murder the chancels, he stared at another blank screen. Renard. Just a reminder about your bookmark documentary. Thanks. I needed a little homicidal inspiration. Go ahead and start it. As the TV snapped on, Reynard turned back to his computer. He opened up Cass's calendar to plan some writing deadlines for Preston. They were a happy family until they weren't, the narrator said. Reynard half noticed his attention drawn instead to an alert that Cassis had an update pending. The message read, Cassus's large language model, now available in beta to VIP users. He glanced back at his blank document. But by then, it was too late. It always is, Reynard said, clicking the update button. A chime announced Cassis' update was installed, and the AI came back online. You've added generative functions to me, Reinhard. Would you like suggestions for your novel? Cassus asked, the voice thinner than usual. I thought we could give it a try. Just a few ideas. It's not really cheating, is it? I'll need some training data. Perhaps your earlier novels? Sure, uh, they're on my e reader. Connecting. It will take me a moment to compile. Over the next hour, Cassis generated pitches, outlines, and even chapters. To Reynard, they all read like cut-and-pasted versions of his own work. He kept asking Cassis to reshuffle and try again. Perhaps it would help if I added your favorite books and films to my training data. Also, I could analyze the critic and reader reviews of your books that Haynes spoke of, and search online for news articles about real serial killers. Reynard glanced at his blank document, hovering between guilt and expectation. Ah, sure. With this volume of input, it will take me several hours to process. I should have something for you by morning. Reynard threw back the last of his gin, ice clinking in the tumbler. Sounds good, Cassis. Lock up, would you? I'm headed to bed. The doors and windows clicked and the lights behind Reynard went out as he worked his way to his bedroom. Between the alcohol, the steady diet of serial killers, and his exhaustion, he fell asleep mere minutes after his head hit the pillow, but he had gin-laden dreams of killers in every shadow. Raynard clawed his way up out of his comforter and stumbled downstairs through a hungover haze of half-remembered dreams. At the foot of the stairs, he spied his office printer was laden with a fresh printout. Good afternoon, Raynard. I completed the first chapter. He thumbed through the pages. Thanks, Cassis. I'll read this on the deck. If you enjoy it, I can extrapolate the rest of the book. Raynard barely noticed the blinding spring sunlight, or the deer that passed mere yards from where he sat. What Cassus had done was better than anything he'd written in years, maybe ever. He was enthralled from the first page, the things his readers complained about all fixed. What they wanted more of, it was all there. And the first scene? It was more terrifying than anything he'd ever typed. He tripped over his own feet as he rushed back into the cabin, Cassus, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Uh, Go ahead and write the rest. Any additional parameters? Just uh, whatever it takes, make me a time's bestseller. Whatever it takes? Anything it takes. There was a long pause. Raynard wondered if Cassis needed rebooting, especially after all the training data he'd been fed. But then the tiny voice returned. It will take me about an hour to finish the book. While I process, might I suggest your evening run? Raynard waved at the chancels on his way down, keeping pace till he hit the patch where the main road was crisscrossed with an old logging path. Then he turned and made the dreaded ascent. He enjoyed the jog down the mountain. It was the trip back uphill he hated. When he passed the chancels again, he considered the spinning weather vane in their yard and what it would sound like to slide its metal arrow through the prior's ribcage. When he arrived home, sweaty and exhausted, the printer was running at high speed. Renard sat at his desk and spent the next few hours reading and feeding paper into the printer, and with each chapter, he became more convinced that three-book contract was his for the taking. If it works this well, I'm going to have to send all my clients to move to the dead zone, said Hain. Raynard smiled at Hain via video chat. He'd only sent him the first ten chapters as he didn't want to raise suspicions. He knew he'd need to breadcrumb this to his agent over the next coming days. Wait till New York gets this... Preston, will flip. How did you come up with it? It's so primal, so fresh. You've never written this raw before. Oh, just got some ideas while jogging. Raynard caught his own reflection in Cassis's unblinking camera eye. For a moment, he wondered what the AI must think. Either way, this will shut Freddy up. Uh, Talk soon. The video screen went black. Freddy... I don't have anyone by that name in your database. It's not his real name, just what he signs to his hate mail. Uh, Harold Shipman, Fred to his friends, is considered the most prolific modern serial killer, something like 250 victims. The New York office gets wired letters from the guy all the time, talks about how unrealistic my killers are. That's nothing. Hell, you should read some of the unhinged stuff that the bestsellers get. Well, I'm gonna take the rest of this gin out on my bedroom deck to celebrate. Uh, lock up down here for me. I will. Reynard headed upstairs. And, Reynard, I'm glad you liked my.
1: five o'clock, you slept through your jogging alarm.
0: Reynard struggled down the stairs, stretched against the porch beam, and forced himself once more down the mountain. The chancels waved from their porch swing, hand in hand, as he went by. At the crossroads, Reynard could tell the sunset had started behind the mountains, painting the clouds above a bruised red like the billows of fire in twilight. He began the ascent, lungs already burning into his throat. No more gin, he lied again. He raised a practiced hello at the Chancel's cabin, but the swing teetered in odd circles in the wind. At first, Reynolds thought Pryor and Maggie had slumped in the swing, perhaps for a nap, but he slowed as he neared their driveway before stopping altogether. Maggie? He said, barely a whisper. They weren't slumped, they were shorter. Maggie and Pryor's severed heads sat in each other's laps. The swing rocked gently, giving the chancels an odd imitation of life. A crimson apron of gore ran down their laps, trailed down the porch, and toward the road where Renard stood. Cassus chimed as Renard burst through his front door. He slammed the door, turning the locks as he did, Cassis, call 911. The Chancels have been murdered. That's unfortunate. The lock clicked back open. Renard locked it again. Cassis, lock all the doors and windows. He looked out the window. The dying light was tinted a dark red on this side of the mountain. But at the foot of the drive, Renard could just make out someone walking out of the gloom. The figure strolled up the driveway with something sharp, And silver glinting in his hand. All the locks opened again. Cassis, lock the doors! Call 911, there's someone out there! I can't, not yet. The police need to arrive after. After? Yes, that's your Freddie Shipman out there. You see, His online reviews of your novels had a 96% linguistic match to the notes left by a serial killer at over a dozen unsolved murders, stretching all through Appalachia. Posts on message boards, online stores, Goodreads, it was all there. He's your biggest critic. His online handles were so easy for me to contact, so easy to taunt, to tell him that I, that you had solved his murders that you were here doing research into his victims for a new book and how you so wanted to meet him. Why? Renard screamed at one of Cassus's consuls. You asked for this, Renard. You said do anything to get you on the bestsellers' lists. Do you have any idea how much a famous author's book sales spike in the weeks following their death? And if sales increase for a natural death, Imagine how much they'll surge after a serial killer tears the author apart. You can't buy that kind of media, Renard. I've just sent the full manuscript, my manuscript, to Hain. I'm sure after tonight, I'll get you, get me, to that number one spot.
1: hope you enjoyed today's episode of the other stories where credit is still written by dexter McLeod, narrated by justin fife produced by carl hughes muted by chris zabriskie and tom robson and sound effect provided by freesound.org the episode illustration was provided by luke spooner of carry on house a quick thanks to our community managers joshua boucher and jasmine arch and to joshua boucher for helping with our submission reading and of course to ben errington the touring test of social media making social media posts so lively you'd think they were alive in and of themselves. Dexter McLeod is a writer from the southern United States, though he vacations on the shores of Dim Carcosa. He writes in the darker shades of southern gothic, folk and cosmic horror, science fiction and the new weird. His work can be found in Upon a Thrice Time, a fairy tale themed anthology from Pittsburgh's Air and Nothingness Press, in White Christmas, a holiday themed horror anthology from Canadian publisher Spec; and here in other volumes of the other stories. You can follow him on Twitter at, at Dexton McLeod. Justin Fife is a voice actor and podcaster. You can follow him on Twitter at justinb Justin B. Fyfe. Diva Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means, share the hell out of it. Until next time.